Bandwidth for Changelog is provided by Fastly. Learn more at Fastly.com. We move fast and fix things here at Changelog because of Rollbar. Check them out at Rollbar.com. And we're hosted on Linode Cloud Servers. Head to Linode.com slash Changelog. This episode is brought to you by Linode, our cloud server of choice. It is so easy to get started with Linode. Servers start at just five bucks a month. We host Changelog on Linode cloud servers and we love it. We get great 24 seven support. Zeus like powers with native SSDs, a super fast 40 gigabit per second network and incredibly fast CPUs for processing. And we trust Linode because they keep it fast. They keep it simple. Check them out at linode.com slash changelog. Welcome to GoTime, a podcast featuring a diverse panel and special guests discussing cloud infrastructure, distributed systems, microservices, Kubernetes, Docker, oh, and also Go. We record live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern, New Pacific. Join the community that's live with us in real time during the show in the GoTime FM channel and go for Slack. Follow us on Twitter. We're at GoTimeFM. Listen live at changelaw.com slash live or subscribe at changelaw.com slash GoTime. And now on to the show. Hello, 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 and welcome to the latest episode of Go Time. I am uh, your host, uh, Johnny Borsico. Um, my co-host is also available here. Uh, um, John is going to be emceeing for us as well. Um, uh, John, you want to say hi to everybody? Hey, everybody. Letting Johnny take the lead this time so I can sit back and relax. <laughs> yeah, he's going to have me do all the work today. Um, today's episode is a, is, a, is a special one. This is a post GopherCon, right? Uh, GopherCon was, uh, um, took place a couple of weeks ago over in uh, beautiful San Diego, very beautiful weather over there. And uh, um, what we did prior to actually uh, going to, go to the GopherCon, so the conference is basically have an episode that was sort of focused around how to take advantage of, uh, of Go, right? A conference like GopherCon, if uh, you're sort of brand new to, to, to a Go conference even, right? So basically what, 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 what to do, the do's and don'ts, if you will, um, sort of how to take advantage, how to maximize your experience at a, a, an event like, such as GopherCon. So we had on on, on that uh, show, we had, I guess, Jamal Yusuf, who is back um, with us on the show today to talk about his uh, his experience. But we also have Yingrong Zhao, um, hopefully I'm pronouncing her name correctly, um, uh, who uh, was also her first time at, uh, at GopherCon. And uh, we've invited these folks to sort of give us, um, perhaps a lot of us who are, Sort of uh, old hats in in the Go community, right? To to get a feel for what new uh, new blood, right? Um, basically, what their experience is like um, when they when they enter a community like like Go and, and when they attend a conference like GopherCon. So, uh, welcome, Jamal. How are you today? I am good and good to be back. Good to be back, and I had a lot of fun. But we'll talk about that shortly. Indeed, indeed. And uh, yourself, Yingrong, how are you? Good. How are you? Oh, I'm uh, I'm doing well. I'm a bit uh, a bit stressed. You know, it's been a stressful day, but uh, this is the life of a programmer, or I'd say of a professional, right? In 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 the line of work we do every now and then, you kind of get a bit of a crunch times, so they call it. But yeah, other than that, I'm doing well. And uh, what I'd like to do really is is start things off by sort of a getting a feel for what your overall right experience was at GopherCon was like. You know, I know I know this was your the, your very first one obviously and you've been a member of the Go community um for, for a little while now and you've kind of uh, you've been sort of uh, you've seen you know how to meet up sort of a uh, flow goes. You've seen you've been part of workshops, you've been involved uh, for for some time. But GopherCon was was probably something on a different level. How, how, how would you characterize that experience? Uh, so I come from uh, the background of JavaScript. So prior to GopherCon, I have just been mainly going to um, JavaScript conferences. And the difference that I feel from the Go community is that it seems like everyone is uh, more experienced. So the talks that people are giving are more uh, in-depth in terms of the the technical side. But... It also surprises me how much GopherCon emphasizes on diversity and inclusion. To me, Go is the a very low-level language, like coming from my background. And I was uh, expecting that I wouldn't understand any any talks that <laughs> people are going to give. And I, yeah, 
Um, I was preparing myself to do a lot of homework, but um, I really liked every talk that um, people always start with um, defining terms to help the audience to understand the background of the talks and then go into the details of the topics that the speakers like chosen. Surprisingly, I, I was able to follow with like most of the talks that I went to. So it was a very great experience for me for the first time. Mm -hmm. So the caliber of talks, basically, they, they, they went a bit deeper, but they were still sort of, if you're new to go, they were still very much approachable, right? So you can understand what's going on. And, and perhaps that is the, perhaps that's the skill of the speak, speaker. Maybe it's a combination with basically uh, the Go language being what it is, right? You, you sort of can follow along, even if you're just starting out kind of get a high level of what's going on and sort of be able to take value out of, out of these talks. Um, but yeah, it's, it's interesting to sort of hear that um, coming from somebody who's sort of coming from a different language community and sort of uh, be experiencing this for the first time. It, it's, it's interesting, interesting to hear that. So how about yourself, Jamal? What did you, uh, what did you sort of, uh, what was your initial impression of, of GopherCon? It was a summer camp that I wanted to be at. <laughs> it, it, it was it was a lot of fun, you know, uh, Johnny coming from like a C background and attending C conferences. I, I was definitely overdressed the first day. You know, I, I walked into <laughs> the conference hall and everybody was like in shorts and t-shirts. And I was like, okay, the atmosphere is a lot more relaxed. So automatically I was just like, this is the place I wanted to be at. I, I had a lot of fun. I also felt like the topics that were spoken about were very approachable. The uh, Go tooling team and the Go core team that was there was very approachable. They had a nice little space out there where you could come and ask questions and absorb information. I got so much like knowledge just from talking to some of the people on the tooling team, just about how you can do some stuff in Go that, you know, you, you read a few blog posts, but you really don't understand it until somebody shows you. And I absorbed so much. I was a sponge that entire conference. And to also kind of hear some of the uh, bigger companies doing what they are with Go and how they solve some of these problems, because they, you know, like none of our problems are unique in that sense. We're not the first to do it. And to kind of hear how the same problems are solved at companies that are much larger was beneficial to me because uh, I got to absorb a lot of that. And listening to some of the talks, I was just like, this is the smartest answer I've ever heard for this very <laughs> complex problem. Thank you for saving me a year, you know, of work. And so uh, I, I enjoyed it a lot. Good, good. Like, do you remember uh, a favorite talk of yours? Um, or are you waiting to sort of uh, for when the videos come back, come out so you can go back and sort of uh, watch? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, one talk that absolutely blew my mind was by uh, Chris at Comcast about a Go 1.11 bug or not a bug a scheduler feature in the go scheduler with trying to get the go routines to all go to sleep or wake up at the same time right what was really impressive about that is they spent all this manpower trying to stream video just for the audience who might not know they were trying to stream video with go for uh i guess mobile devices and they ran into a specific problem where they were hitting a whole bunch of cpu usage and they traced it down to the scheduler and, and the solution was we need to get all our Go routines to wake up at the same time. And they spent a whole bunch of man hours programming this complex solution to try to put their Go routines to go to sleep at the same time. And months later, they came up with a solution which was like a one-line edit. Like just to, <laughs> you know, the iter iteration of that and just the level they were willing to dig into the Go source code in the standard library and just isolate that one specific bug was kind of inspiring. You know, I usually give up at the standard library. If like something doesn't work, I'm like the standard library is about as far as I dig down, but they dug all the way down to the, the scheduler. And that was just impressive. And just to see the, that level of digging for a bug. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's kind of a testament to the ghost and library itself is like, it's, it's not some sort of a hidden um, sort of, part of of your world right as a, as a go developer you can go in there and kind of peek around and, and see how how the sausage is made so to speak right and sort of uh and then tailor tailor your work accordingly um Yingrang, i'm interested to, to to hear what what you, what you thought was your favorite talk so far um my favorite talk is from caroling 
the one about design command line tools people love. That one's my favorite one because um, I think maybe it's because I am from a JavaScript background. That's why I, I care a lot about user experience. So uh, my like my impression of Go for a long time is that it's a backend language. People just uh, like those hackers on on the movie. They work <laughs> they work in the background. But um, Carolyn's talk shows that you know um, in with Go you still uh, need to care about user experience and how you use Go to make when your user who is developers, how do you create a great experience for other developers to use your code and how to make users' life easier? And I think that's that's really interesting and I, I really like it. Yeah, I totally agree. The the like the command line interface is probably oh I'd say Probably my, my favorite way to interact with, uh, sort of especially developer tooling and whatnot, um, interacting with um, services through Slack is probably my second, my second favorite favorite one. I've built a few uh, tools that sort of react to Slack slash command and bots and whatnot. So those those are fun to build. But yeah, I think the, the user when when folks hear user interface, they usually think some sort of a rich you know graphical sort of thing. But I think on the CLI, it's just as important to think about sort of the, the experience of the developer who's going to be using you know that that tool to get their job done. I think it's just as important to, to be thinking about flow and all these things that uh, the Carolyn sort of touched on. Uh, and I think she did an excellent job of actually sort of uh, um, conveying conveying these these things you kind of need to care about, right, and think about when you're actually building these tools. So you talked about sort of uh, um, the tooling from different sides. Both of you have talked about tooling and, and Go in general. So do you think coming from the, the, the communities from which you, you, you've come from, the language communities from, from which you've come, the, the, do you think there's a, there's a stronger emphasis on, on just having good developer tooling, whether it be from, from the language itself or whether you're building things for other developers? Do you think there's a str- stronger focus uh, of that in the Go community or would you say it's, it's that you haven't really noticed any difference? Um, for me, uh, maybe it's because uh, I started to, like working with Go maybe about four months ago. So I haven't played with so much with Go tooling in general, but with JavaScript, I think a lot of uh, uh, the, the in the co- JavaScript community there is a huge um, emphasis on creating better developer tooling and like kind of a helper package for the community, open source community to use. And uh, yeah, I think my experience with Go tooling in general is very limited. <laughs> You know what? The Go tooling team is impressive. I'm blown away. I'm blown away because of so much that's offered for free. You know, in other low-level languages, when you make an IDE or you you make a, a, a tool, you charge for it. And what the community is willing to give away for free, it boggles my mind because there's a lot of work that goes into it. And it's just all for free. Like, there's so much out there that the community gives out and you don't have to pay for it. And I'm still not used to that, you know. Like uh, I'll 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 pull some tool down from GitHub and start using it. And I'm like, how is this free again? <laughs> you know, just uh, just I I'm impressed by it. And I the 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 conversations I heard after the talk of Go Please integrating all of the community tools into something uh, from a single binary that was just amazing. I I remember the one of the first things I struggled with when I first got up to speed on Go was that you had to run all these commands individually. If you had to do a Go FMT, get your source code formatted, and you know, there's there's all these steps. And just the fact that you just save a file now and all of that happens behind the scenes is just, it's cool, it's cool. So I hope we get to the point where our IDEs and our tooling and all that is at the level where we have JavaScript, like Emmet type you know, functionality, where I type two things, hit tab, and it becomes a fully fledged document. That'd be cool. So. I hope we get more Go tooling, but I'm impressed already what's offered on the market for free. Yeah, it's it's. I definitely agree. The there's certainly a, a lot of tools out there for for good developers to take advantage of. If you if you use, you know, perhaps you you know you're a developer who likes IDEs, full blown IDEs, and maybe Golan is a pretty good one from the folks who who have built JetBrains, yeah, who have built, uh, um, who have been in the business for quite a while, so they know what they're doing when it comes to uh, these these kinds of environments. VS Code is is probably my, my favorite um, development environment to, to sort of 
um, build Go apps now. And, and shout out to Ramya for sort of leading leading that work on the, for the for the VS Code for the Go side of, of, of that ecosystem. Um, and obviously, and all the the contributors to that to that uh, project as well. So yeah, so I mean, there's we we're not uh, we we continue to improve um, the the tooling story around around Go all the time, right? So some of the, some of the tools that I think still need to be made uh, perhaps more approachable, uh, especially if you're if you're new to Go or still trying to sort of a master master the ecosystem, is probably the the, the, the performance um, tools like things like Pprof. They are somewhat if you are new to Go and if you've never have to deal with sort of a performance optimization. Let's just start by saying that writing writing a performance program in Go is already so easy <laughs> that not, not a lot of people are like running to find like these these tools to sort of surface, you know, it, it like uh, bottlenecks in their applications, right? So a lot of times you get so far with, with a simple program, the performance that you get out of the box is, is so far beyond what you would have gotten from, you know, well, I don't want to name <laughs> the languages, but out of the box, you, you can get so far that a lot of a lot of times developers don't even bother to sort of understand, you know, it, it meets their needs, right? But when you when you need it, and you usually know when you do, uh, maybe you're looking for you know something that's basically allocating too many too many allocations or something. Maybe you're looking for a, a goroutine leak somewhere, right? The, the, these kinds of tools uh, like Pprof can help you basically unearth those kinds of those kinds of things. So. I do hope that basically more more light gets shed on these kinds of tools, especially if you if you're new and you don't and you don't know how to use these things. Um, and that's something that I personally want want to sort of help sort of expose out there as well um, through through meetups and talks and whatnot. So um, hopefully, hey, maybe even I might even see Jamal and Yingrong to give a talk on on Pprof one day. Hey, all right. <laughs> I do think it's really cool that. Like GopherCon seems to also put that emphasis on it. Like I recall there's at least a talk on Delve. I think there was one on GoGuru. Mm-hmm. Um, there's probably other ones I'm forgetting, but it's like it's nice to see that tooling get a focus at conferences too where, you know, it's not just about really technical problems. It's also about like how can you be more performant as a developer? Like what can you, you do to make your life easier? Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. The One of the things that I particularly found to be exciting is sort of the approach that the that the go team is taking with go to i was very pleased when when the news came that we were sort of giving up in the whole try um thing i, I was one of those people who didn't really sort of uh, see a huge uh, amount of value from sort of a uh, hiding some some of the things that i've come to to expect explicitly from error handling and go um, so i was i was pleased when when uh, sort of the go team decided to sort of uh, retire that uh, that proposal for the time being who knows maybe that there's there's still going to continue to be uh, um, ways for the go community really to sort of do the right thing when it comes to error handling I and mean, that's we haven't sort of given up in, in in terms of sort of addressing some of the core concerns that you know people validly have right so some people think you know the, the current way we're doing it is, is verbose and they'd like a better way to handle it and that's fine that's totally fine we just basically don't want to lose some of the things that we've that we've come to value and go right in, in the process right so i think i'm i'm totally on board with with sort of the way the go team sort of went with that but uh, one of the things that i'm really excited about well it falls under the, the go-to umbrella but I think is is super sort of relevant like today is basically the the module proxy stuff so to me like i care about reproducible builds quite a bit right so the the module proxy would uh, definitely helps sort of uh, remove some of the um, issues that can come up if for as for whatever reason say you can't pull a package from uh, github today right your your entire build pipeline doesn't just stop right you have somewhere where you can get basically the download a package and, and, and there's there's some assurances around the version that you're getting um, there's a lot that it takes care of for you that i think is going to be is going to help tr- uh, the good community uh, quite a bit I'm wondering if, if there's anything that from any of you that you you, you uh, saw from uh, from Russ's talk, which was the first talk of the conference, by the way, um, that uh, gets gets you excited. Just his approach with how he communicates with the community, I've always gotten the impression that he's very approachable. And even after his talk, I went and talked to him in person and just asked him questions. And just his enthusiasm for the Go programming language and his ability to articulate really complex things and explain them simply right and the transparency with the whole process you know like he he does a really good job of just explaining what his goals are and how they come to decisions and 
when something isn't a good proposal, why they reject it, and what they look for in good proposals and all that. I, I really appreciate that. So his talk on just the ghost future and what they're working on in terms of tooling, I, I appreciate that. That transparency is, is welcomed. This episode is brought to you by Datadog. Datadog is cloud monitoring as a service. See inside any stack, anytime, at any scale, anywhere. So what's new with Datadog? Coming off the heels of Dash 2019, Datadog's annual conference about building and scaling the next generation of applications, infrastructure, and technical teams, we have a lot to cover. Serverless functions. Datadog serverless view gives you complete visibility into your code running on AWS Lambda. Browser logs. You can now send logs directly to Datadog from web browsers or other JavaScript clients for full stack visibility. Network performance monitoring. This enables you to visualize the flow of network traffic in cloud-based or hybrid environments. Mobile application. Datadog now has a mobile app to make it easier to triage issues when you're on call or on the go. Real user monitoring. This enables you to visualize and analyze the performance of your front-end applications as seen by your users. And a final list of what's new, log rehydration, metrics from logs, watchdog for infrastructure metrics, metrics without limits, tracing without limits, trace outliers, and so much more. Head to datadog.com slash go time to learn more and get a free t-shirt. Once again, datadog.com slash go time. One of the things that's always been kind of interesting to me is that like you go to GopherCon and you look at all the talks and it seems like the Go team and, and a lot of the new proposals are presented and discussed very, very heavily at these conferences. Whereas a lot of the times it's easy to think, oh, a conference is for like long lasting information that's going to kind of, you know, I'm going to learn this and keep it the rest of my life. But realistically, a lot of these things are topics that aren't necessarily like, you know, in a year, once we've decided how to handle something, you know, generics, for example, you're not really going to care about that talk about generics as much. But at the same time, I think that at least I personally believe that the fact that they do this in such a public forum and that they try to make sure that the community is involved really helps shape the language. And that's another thing that I think is like a really big benefit to having like a GopherCon is that, you know, you're, you're really forcing them to or not forcing, but everybody got, gets a chance to sort of discuss this all together. Like there, there's a ton of Go developers all in one place. They can all discuss these ideas and say like, what do you like about it? What do you not like about it? And I think that's valuable because there's a lot of things you just don't think about. And if you're like kind of isolated reading the proposal, you're just going to immediately hate it or like it because you're not thinking about everything. But if you're there talking to other developers, you know, it's going to change that perspective and change what you think about. So I guess uh, Jamal and Yingrong, like, how did that feel for you guys? Did you like hearing about some of the new stuff coming into Go and like being able to talk directly with the team about that stuff while you're at GopherCon? So I think for me, this is the first time, I guess, for a programming language that the Go team has been so, um, I guess, publicly gathering information from the community. And I didn't experience this from other programming languages at all. So these are all new to me. And seeing how people exchange um, information and opinions in proposal through comments and or directly talking to the Go team, that makes me feel like maybe one day I will be able to, you know, give my opinions and make a little bit contribution to the uh, programming language. I don't know. That gives me some hope and um, I don't know. That excites me that I uh, I can somehow be involved to create a programming language. So that's the uh, feeling that I get from um, hearing the talk. I, I personally just appreciate just how the whole, you know, proposal process happens and then having a conference where you can discuss it it makes the language a living language in the sense that it's a representative of how the overall community wants to use it not how a select group of people think we should use it right so being able to just one hear about proposals and then get different opinions really helps shape my perspective that there's a few proposals that I didn't really get before I came to GopherCon, but hearing the opinions of developers who've been using Go longer on why it's a good idea, why it's not a good idea, 
And then being able to make an informed personal opinion based on that was helpful. And having the idea shared at the conference allows for communication that you really can't get via text. You lose a lot of the nuance that you can get in in person that might not be there. One of the things is just the cross-cultural language filter, right? So you can write something as a proposal and then sometimes the language makes it unapproachable to people who speak different languages. But having conferences like GopherCon where you have people from all over the world and then when you present an idea there, you get a lot more feedback from developers right then and there. And something that might not have been obvious if it was just online might be obvious then. Like you'll pick up on that kind of stuff and you can simplify parts of it. You can modify parts of it right then and there to make it more approachable. For me, I, I for a long time, didn't understand the whole generics proposal idea and go, I was like, I don't want this feature added. It's going to add all this unnecessary complex stuff to the language, which is just going to be confusing for me to learn. Then Ian gave his talk in generics and I'm like, man, not only was I able to follow, <laughs> I'm like, when can I get that? When can I start using that? And it was just so approachable to to hear that proposal presented in that way where I could not only follow along, like after the conference, I could go read like the full-fledged proposal and the language was not as difficult when it was communicated to me in that way. And it kind of made me feel like, you know what, the contributing to this uh, programming language is not just for a super elite group of geniuses, you know, like a regular person can, you know, connect and, you know, provide feedback to it. Like, hey, I like this idea. I don't like this idea. And maybe my opinion matters a little, you know. I couldn't have put it better myself. I mean, I think the in the early days, I think a lot of us in the community, we sort of uh, uh, started to get the sense that, you know, a lot of folks on the, on the outside looking in were sort of feeling like Go was was for an elite group right, of of people, and we knew that was the wrong direction, right? If 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 we were giving that vibe, then that was something that that needed to change. So I hope that for the most part, you know, that that sort of sentiment has sort of been dispelled, and like there's there's you know folks no longer feel like Go is for an elite <laughs> set of people uh, that is it is approachable and welcoming for everybody. But yeah, this is something that I think uh, you're absolutely right. That the, the Go community right now, I think, is that is at a place where if you have a strong opinion that you can sort of uh, um, articulate and you know and, and sort of get eyes on it the go team the go community people who have been doing go for a while they will listen they will see the merit there's sort of the value in, in what you have to say like you don't have to be belong to a certain elite group or subgroup you know to to, to have your words and your thoughts be be you know taken seriously so i think that's that's definitely the the Go community definitely welcomes the diversity of thought, right? The diversity of, of, of ideas, right? Of, of thinking, because we don't all, obviously, we don't all think the same. Um, we are all going to have different ways of solving of solving problems. Uh, a lot of us have uh, um, knowledge that basically we can bring from different language communities, from from different experiences that we've had, you know, with, with solving certain kinds of problems. And all of these things are important. They they may go better, right? And when, when we talk about these things, they may go better in, in the long run. So it's highly encouraged for people to sort of step up if they have ideas for how things can be better. Absolutely. I think the Go community is is absolutely welcome, welcoming to this, this democratic way of actually making the language better and the community better. Speaking of diversity uh, and inclusion, I think part of this uh, show is also um, to sort of touch on sort of a... Um, what we saw at, at, at this year's GopherCon, right, in terms of, you know, all the different people from, from all kinds of different backgrounds that was sort of uh, walking around. And I don't know, I, I personally felt that the this, this GopherCon has, was the most diverse of previous GopherCons um, that I've been at, and pretty much I've, I've been to all of them. So it's it's sort of, I've seen this sort of evolution happen, it's sort of, you know, like year after year. You know, with with the Go Conference sort of for Go for God growing like really ten percent in attendance every year, um, year over year to eighteen hundred people now. Um, so it's it's I get a, I got a chance to sort of uh, um, I'm not gonna spoil my, my talk, but I got a chance to sort of uh, uh, prior to my talk the day before, sort of running around uh, in Jamal. You were you were in one of those pictures. I got a chance to sort of walk around and then take pictures with, with a few folks, and and actually those made it into my some of my slides. Um, and some really part of the message that I, that I want to deliver, but I'm interested in sort of, uh, you know, obviously I have my opinion and, and how I think and, and, and feel about certain things, but I definitely want to sort of, uh, get your take as well. Yimron, like, like from, from your perspective, like 
what what do you think the Go community is doing well, right? Um, and and oh, and maybe even not so well, right? In terms of sort of a, a making sure that this community is is diverse and inclusive and welcoming for for everybody. Yeah. Um. So I uh, the reason why I was even able to go to this year's GoVercom is because the diversity scholarship that I got from the GoVercom um, committee. And I really appreciate it. And they took care of um, the traveling, the hotel, the ticket. And I, Caroline, even, I think it was the first day of the GopherCon. And she posted in the Slack channel saying that, you know, she will have a, a rainbow flag for, um, you know, the queer community uh, so that people can have a table to sit together and uh, to uh, meet people who are within the queer community in the GopherCon. And I really appreciate that because being in tech, it's hard to be a woman of color, to be a queer of color. And for seeing that, you know, people from the organizers trying really hard and creating a space for uh, people like me to um, be able to feel involved and welcomed, I, I think that's that's that something that I have never experienced at other conferences. So um, I feel I really appreciate the effort. Pretty cool, Jamal. How about, how about yourself? I was blown away. I was blown away just from one the planning that went into this conference. Like no detail was done without thinking about. Right uh, from the very first moment you walk into the conference, just all of the labeling directing you towards a direction, all of the many smiling faces ready to assist you if you have any questions. Even the fact that people like Bill Kennedy were just standing there in the middle of the booth just talking to everybody all day. You know, I think I, I saw Bill and a lot of other people just talking to the community like nine, ten hours just standing. It was insane. Right? Just that the willingness to talk to people and communicate and treat every single person like they're important. The effort given to uh, remembering names, I, I, I walked up to a few people and without even, they didn't even look at my name badge and they knew my first name. That was like mind boggling, like important people just <laughs> walking up to you and saying, hey, Jamal. And I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, so just the, the fact that whenever I spoke to someone, they gave me their undivided attention, and it wasn't about where you worked, where you came from. It was just about, like, I want to know about you, the person, right? It, and the many, many friendly people I talked to. I learned a lot about diversity at GopherCon, you know, and a lot of the decisions that I was like are nice for Go, but I didn't really get what they meant for programmers who speak other languages, right? Like, one of the biggest things, like the fact that Go code is saved as UTF-8. I was like, that's cool, right? The web is UTF-8, so it's good that it's saved there. And the fact that you don't need to put semicolons on the end of things never for me was like an aha, right? I, I write like with an American keyboard, etc. But if you're a developer who doesn't have a semicolon, like many of the European countries, their semicolon is like somewhere up on the number keys, having to put a semicolon at the end of every sentence, etc. or statement is impossible. You can't do it. And so the consideration of that to automatically insert that was huge. The other thing I observed was looking at some of the developers who came to Japan when they were kind of completing their, their challenges was the importance of having uh, UTF-8 support for your source code, allow them to write comments in their native language and to kind of name stuff in characters that they understand, right? I mean, I never really understood the language barrier towards learning programming until I went to like GopherCon and and it's not until you see international developers like using Go that you get it, aha, this is why this is important. This is why documentation is important and their ability to just automatically translate it and just their workflow and all of that was very important for me to kind of observe and see that like even this small attention to detail was included into the language specification to allow many developers yet to come and you know other countries to hop on the language and have the best experience, you know, programming as opposed to like having to hack around, get around all of this because 
file type has to be an ASCII format or something. You know, like you, you're 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 fine. You can you can write in whatever language you want. You can put emojis, symbols, all that if you want. You know, it gives gives you this creative freedom that. <laughs> and don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. Don't, do it. <laughs> don't put emojis in your code, please, Jamal. <laughs> Might have put one or two. You know, but in terms of diversity. Just walking throughout the conference, I think I spent the first day just kind of observing and trying to pick up the pattern of people. I was like, let me kind of walk around and get a feel for the conference. And very quickly, I was approached by people and integrated into the community very quickly. I mean, I, I went there not knowing anybody. And by the time I left, I was going lunch to with people, exploring the city hanging out. I had a group of people I just was walking throughout the conference with it. It, it was very inclusive in my sense. I felt included into it. Johnny, I don't know if I can talk about your talk. I don't know if it's like we got to wait for it. Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. You can you just don't, don't give, don't give it all away. <laughs> <You're>, <laughs> I, I think your talk was really important. And I remember towards the middle of it, you could drop a pin in the conference hall and you'd hear it, it was quiet, you know, and it, it was moving and it was a call to action. You know, it, 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 it even made me, Johnny, think like there are things I can improve on, right? Even as a person of color, there are things I can do to make it more welcoming to women, right? I, I, there's a lot of things I didn't notice in tech that related to that women have to deal with, right? So I learned a lot from that talk. One is like, you have to do, you can't just take, right? And the more you give, the more you receive. So I felt like a personal call to action, you know, being there. And I was like, I have to get involved in some way and I got to give back because I was there at the conference as a result of the GoBridge, you, Bill, everybody else who contributes your free time and donates and all the other people in the community, right? That's the only reason I was able to come to this conference. And I've been given, you know, a spark and I need to now nurture that spark and, and grow it into something more and I have a responsibility to make the path for the next person even easier than it was for me. And I don't want to give out the details of your talk, but it was very powerful. And the fact that you were able to incorporate something that was so impromptu as just randomly taking pictures of all of us <laughs> into your talk, right? And to give that talk, was uh, it, it was beautiful. And just to see everybody in the audience nodding along with you, right? It was a a talk that came from a place of love. And I think everybody liked that. And to hear your background, I never knew about your background. And to kind of hear about your background and how you, where you are today, it kind of reminds us that we have to open up pathways for other people to make it to the same place because there's so many opportunities I didn't know existed until I got there. I mean, just, just alone, uh, talking to developers who worked at big companies, I wouldn't say that there's a huge skill gap between them, but it is really like if you know one person at one company, you get past second, third party recruitment companies. You know, there is like an advantage to being there. Like you do get a pathway to opportunities that wouldn't exist elsewhere. And what you also get is you get a pulse of what's happening in these communities, what skills you can learn now that give you the most return you know like what technologies can you pick up that are adjacent to you know going what works what are employers looking for what are the big companies using them for what are people studying you know and what are people's opinions on things like that you can't read you know or in the comment section this is all just like the talks that happen in between you know the the stages and and stuff like that that once you know you leave the next year and now you're like you're you're not questioning what you're going to work on. Like, you know, okay, this is the new thing. I got to go play with that. And because you have that advantage of knowing where the, you know, horizon is and just what's beyond that a little bit, you know how to walk the path. So I, I appreciated being at the conference and I learned a lot. But then I also understood that there's a lot more people that could have been there that had they been there would have also opened the opportunity to them. And I wanted to also just touch on the the importance of diversity you know like sometimes diversity is framed as an obligation and people don't understand what benefits come from it and one of the benefits that I, i've seen just working on 
like many teams is just that everybody has a geography of thought, how they view the world, how they think about problems and how they figure out solutions to things is like the pathfinding through their mental topography, right? And certain perspectives allow solving certain problems in a different way. I always find that whenever I'm in a room with diverse programmers, we can work on a problem together and the intersection of all of our experiences and how we all grew up allows us to come up with like a, a better solution than any individual would have come up with, right? Like I think the myth of the star programmer died in like the 90s when the dot-com <laughs> bust happened, right? Like the star programmer generates a bunch of complex code that nobody can understand, yet like the group can come up with like a really simple inspired idea that anybody can understand. So diversity is an is a economic asset, with more people from different backgrounds, it's not just a thing we do just because we think it's an emotional thing. It's there's there's an economic boom to it. When you have diverse minds come together, you have different mental topologies coming together to solve problems in unique ways that weren't possible before. And I think that's important, especially for a language like Go. If it's going to remain competitive and it's going to continue to solve the problems of tomorrow, it needs to have sharp minds from different backgrounds and different uh, communities and cultures come together and be representative in, in the community. So I don't want to go too much into your talk, but it inspired me. It inspired me. Oh, well, I'm glad. And, and really, you hit the nail right on the head there, you know, with regards to diversity. It's not a lot of times, I think what I don't want to happen is for people to, to experience sort of a, a diversity fatigue, right? For you to keep hearing about, oh, diversity this, inclusion that, right? And then to be like, oh, at some point you, you start rolling your you know, eyes in the back of your head, like, oh, more of this stuff. Like there's so much more to it, right? I always say that if you want sort of a um, um, business uh, to change, if you want sort of a, a community, right, um, with your language community or business community um, to, to change, um, especially when it comes to economics, like t tie dollars to it, right? <laughs> so I, I don't want to, you know, stand on a soapbox, but there's there's two sides to the same coin, right? So you, you get the economic benefits of having a diverse uh, group of people solving a problem, right? They're, they're going to bring different perspectives, as you as you put it, right? It, it's it's really I couldn't have said it better myself. But on the other side of that too is is you have an obligation, right, to sort of say, hey, you know what, let me do this because it is the right thing to do, right? Um, and obviously different people are going are gonna to feel differently about this. But overall, right, I think we all we would all like to believe, I'd like to believe that most people want to open doors for people that are going to come through behind them, right? So for me, and in giving that talk, it was sort of a call to action to say, hey, you know what, you got here, right? You, you made it here. If you're in this room, right, you have some degree of privilege. You have some degree of means that other people who couldn't be here, right, like by virtue of you being here and they couldn't, right, that means that means you, there's some things you can do, right? So let's not, ju let's not just sit back and relax, right, and, and wait for all the benefits, right, that diversity and inclusion bring, right? Let's, let's be part of the, the solution. Let's be part of what makes this community like, even better than, than what it is, right? This episode is brought to you by X-Team, and here's Jason Silva, most known as the host of the TV series Brain Games on the National Geographic Channel. He's talking about how you can become wired for adventure. Human beings are wired for adventure. We get off, we get activated by novelty, by the thrill of something new. So really, if you want to activate the human spirit, go on an adventure, take the journey, heed the call, so to speak. And the question then becomes, how do we reconcile our desire for adventure to turn our lives into a dynamic, active work project while simultaneously being responsible, while simultaneously paying the bills, while simultaneously feeling like we're making a contribution and we're being productive? Most people will tell us, go to work, go to work, go to work, save money, and then go on a great adventure. But what if there's a solution beyond that? What if wireless technologies, such as what we're seeing increasingly today, can allow us to become tethered while being disconnected, to be close while being afar, to be everywhere at once. And so I recently heard about a company called X-Team, and these guys, let me say it, they really do embody these values. They might as well be the, the poster children for the rise of digital nomadic 
tribes, right? People, entrepreneurs, free spirits around the world that are gallivanting, that are exploring, that are truly living the adventure, right? Yet at the same time, they're a community of software developers who are super productive, who are creating amazing software solutions, solving problems, solving with companies, while living a life in which they realize more than ever, access is more important than ownership. So my friends at X-Team, I celebrate you for what you embody. I celebrate you for being brilliant, innovative, counterintuitive software developers stationed around the world and doing your thing and really living up to the ideals of life as a great adventure. 21st century poster children for what's possible for human beings. Free yourself from the constraints, from the traditional, from the tetherings of what used to be and let go. Take the journey, heed the call. Much love, guys. Cheers. If you think you're wired for adventure, you want to become wired for adventure, learn more about our friends at X-Team. Head to xteam.com to learn more. Again, xteam.com. Honestly, I think we were just we're just getting started. I mean, there's there's so much more. I mean, when I think about the potential that we have in the Go community to 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 be probably the world's like most diverse sort of a, a programming language community, like 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 I, I dream about literally I dream about this stuff. I'm like I'm like wow. I'm like it, wouldn't it be awesome? Wouldn't it be awesome if we could basically get that title, right? And 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 basically every day work to to make it and keep it as diverse and welcoming as possible. We're already doing a, a lot of good works in that area, and I think. There's still more to do, right? There's there's always more to do, and, and, and I think we're we can always use more hands. Um, and so when you say, "Hey, that sparked something in you to try and you know be get more involved and, and do something," that's really music to my ears, you know. But I don't want it just to be a spark. I want it to also be action, right? It's one thing to think, "Hey, wow, this is I'm, I'm fired up. I'm excited. I'm gonna do something." And then you know a few weeks go by, and then nothing happens, right? It's very easy to fall back. I mean, that's just in human nature, right? It's very easy to fall back into sort of uh, the routine and, and sort of saying, ah, I'll, I'll get to it, I'll get to it later, I'll get to it later, right? But I think, you know, if you, if you start, right, the, the, people don't understand the power of just starting, right? If you just start something, right, go to gobridge.org, right? If you don't know where to start, go to gobridge.org, file a, a, an, an issue to, to put together a workshop or something, right? Uh, maybe you don't want to organize, maybe you want to teach, maybe you're on TA, or whatever the case may be, just being involved at any level, right? Being part of, of such an experience will open your eyes and really propel you forward. I mean, Yingron can speak to that. Yingron was part of a workshop that we had in, in Atlanta a few months ago. You know, I'm curious, Yingron, <laughs> basically how basically I'm curious how you you got into um, sort of a, um, like wanting to help, right, as as part of the organizing team for that workshop. And really, like, I'm interested in hearing if you've got something planned coming up soon because I'd like to see I'd like to see more activity in the Atlanta area. Yes. Um. So when I first uh, started learning about Go as a programming language, I because I was interested in backend development. So um, I started googling, you know, if there is a, a existing organization in Atlanta that I could, you know, maybe go to their talks or their meetups. But I think at the moment, on the when I googled GoLand in Atlanta, there's not really much uh, came up. So I just started Googling Go, and I think it, your Go Bridge GitHub repo came up, and I saw that you could um, request a workshop. When I first started, I didn't know that it meant to organize. I thought I was just making a request so that I could have a workshop, and then I could learn about Go. So I started it, and then turns out, okay, so... I think I created an issue and you messaged me about, okay, do you want to organize it? And I thought about it. I was like, um, oh, so I need to organize it. It's not just, <laughs> it's not just a, I submit a request and then someone can come. And it just, somebody ships it to you. <laughs> it just shows up. At the moment, I was, um, I was involved with, uh, we, we, uh, me and a couple, um, other, um, friends. Uh, we were talking about women start a woman who go meetup in Atlanta. So we thought, you know, this might be something that we could do as, you know, an uh, event for women who go. We didn't know at the time that women who go was related to GoBridge um, already. Um, so we thought, okay, if I want to learn Go and I am interested in, you know, this workshop, there has to be someone else 
who also can benefit from this workshop. So if I can put it together, not only me can learn, other people can learn too. Then it's just one or two days on the weekends. It's not that much of work. There are plenty of tech companies in Atlanta that we could contact with and ask for sponsorship. And um, so we kind of just decided, yeah, let's do it. Um, so, you know, not only us can learn from it, other people could too. So that's how we decided to start doing the, um, like organizing the workshop. And it turned, it turned out great. Johnny, you like flew to Atlanta. We got a uh, full story to sponsor the, the workshop. There were about like 10 to 15 people came and everyone said that the, a lot of people that was actually their first class sort of in like learning how to program. That's a shock. I didn't know that, you know, <laughs> um, it would like kind of create a door, open a door for someone who is just interested to learn how to program in general. To me, that's how you can introduce more people into tech, how you can, you know, kind of hold a door open for, for the newcomers and the, help them to have this resource that usually the, it's hard for someone new to find. I think that's the amazing thing about the Go Bridge and the Go community in general is that, you know, everyone who joins the community also helps to hold the door open for the people who are coming later to join the community. Yeah, absolutely. It's, I always tell folks that basically trying to organize a, a workshop, uh, and it doesn't have to always have to be a workshop, right? So that's, that's one of the most impactful ways of actually, you know, doing this work, right? But it doesn't have to be, you know, like a workshop. You don't have, you know, if, if you can't find a workshop in, in your local area, you know, to, to maybe be a TA ad, a teacher ad, even help organize something, you know, you, you can, you can carry the same mission with you into your local meetup, right? And if there's no local meetup in your area, guess what? You can start one, right? And a lot of time, and a lot of times too, is that you, along with a few other people um, who are also contemplating the idea, may the only thing you like you need maybe is just to push, right? To somebody for just sake to to create a meetup, right? Uh, a meetup group. And this is something like you know now like the the Go Developer Network, the partnership between GoBridge and, and, and Google, um, to provide meetup accounts for for uh, uh, Go user group basically managers, organizers. This is something like it's not like that's not even an issue anymore, right? So you don't have to worry about paying for the meetup account, right? So that's a barrier that that has been removed now. So basically, even starting the the meetup group you'll find that other people start popping up, right? And saying, hey, uh, yeah, I'm wondering if maybe if you need help, uh, you know, putting together, you know, um, the first meeting or something, or maybe, you know, like uh, if we find out basically who, who audience, what the audience looks like, maybe, you know, maybe we have a bunch of people who are interested in Go, um, don't know a lot about Go, so maybe, you know, maybe we have introductory talks, maybe we have sort of a um, hack nights or something, basically get people to come in and learn and, and learn Go a little bit. So it doesn't have to be, you don't have to start out, right, at level 10, 10 right? They, they can start very, very small and just get people in the door and have a focus on sort of ha having a diverse crew, right? Tr try to, uh, obviously you're not going to turn people away, but you definitely want to encourage people that, hey, you know, if you know somebody in, in your community um, who is underrepresented, you know, maybe it's at your job, maybe it's, it's in your local sort of uh, other communities you go to, uh, invite them to come in and, and check out this, this group as well, right? So th there's lots of ways we can we can do this work and, and really having having a user group, having having building community like around you is one is one of the easiest ways really that you can actually have the this kind of impact that we're looking to have. Um, so yeah, it's 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 and for those who are wondering what GoBridge is, you just go to GoBridge.org. From there, you'll find lots of resources for sort of how to get get something started. But really, I mean, once you take a step to actually putting together a workshop, uh, which is you know, and you mentioned that you know a lot of people are coming to these workshops and they're being exposed to programming for the very first time. Those are my favorite kind of workshops, right? Because it's because you get to, I mean, like I've seen time and again how somebody's eyes just light up, right? When when they're able to accomplish a, a programming task, that their eyes just light up, and 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 you can see this sort of like manifestation of just joy and excitement in their face. Like, oh my God, I can do this too, right? Like it's, 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 it's a form of empowerment. You basically saying, Hey, look, 
like you just need to practice a little bit more, right? And then you're gonna, you too can do this, right? You don't have to be. This is not something that is reserved for a, 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 a specific class of people, right? Like you can do this too, right? You just need the opportunity to be able to, you know, come in and learn and practice. So these tend to be my favorite kinds of uh, of workshops. But obviously, if you're coming from a different language community too, you're gonna find value, and you just want to learn how how Go um, works. You're gonna get a lot of value from these workshops as well. But I, I mean, I hope about, I hope about the, the workshops quite a bit because you know again that's that's where I've seen the most bang for the buck if you will but uh, definitely you know whatever ways you can get engaged you know, if you don't know how to or if you're if you're if you're too <laughs> timid or if your imposter syndrome's got you down don't worry about it just you know raise a hand say hey I'd like to help I don't know how to help and but somebody somewhere you know in your local community is 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 going to reach out and and you know, really sort of help you be part of, of a community. Again, like Jamal saying, you know, from, from the talk, like when you give, right, you, you get so much more in return, right? The community doesn't give, it gives back. So, you know, put yourself out there, give right, to the community, and you're going to find that it, it keeps you know, the rewards from, for that effort, right? They're going to keep coming back to you, you know, uh, manifold. So, yeah, so it's, it's I think the, the, both our recap and really this sort of uh, uh, this lens, this look at sort of uh, what diversity means for us in the good community has has been uh, a pretty good one. I'm, I'm happy that we're able to sort of uh, do this show again. It, this is this both of these. You can't have community without unity, <laughs> right? You, you need you need that sort of uh, you need people to come together, right, to want to make this a, a great community. And and I'm I'm happy that Yeron, you were able to sort of make it onto the show. Um, I'm happy you, you both were able to make it to GopherCon as sort of a GopherCon newbies for the very first time. Um, Jamal, happy you were able to come back onto the show and give us your sort of a, your post um, GopherCon uh, um, sort of a take. And hopefully the, all the stuff we told you um, prior to you going to GopherCon held true. What do you think? Yeah, you know, it was, uh, <laughs> uh, all the advice was amazing. You know, uh, one of the things was attending talks with less people. There was uh, one talk I attended at GopherCon by Yusuke, and I'm hopefully I pronounced his last name right, Miyaki from the Japanese gophers at Fukuoka. And it was about like optimizing for a number of go routines using feedback control. And I think at the same time as his talk was a Dave Cheney talk. So everybody was at that one. But because I chose to go to the a smaller talk, I learned something new. Like I learned something that directly helped me this week at work. So that advice was amazing. Also knowing kind of that you can approach people and talk to them helped me a lot. So all the advice was taken to heart and I appreciated it. It, it was cheat codes. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I, uh, it's, it's been great. I mean, I really, I really enjoyed this, this, uh, um, this show, this episode. Um, thanks to John Calhoun for, uh, for, sort of emceeing this behind the scenes, making sure everything uh, goes off without a hitch, managing the channels, managing the live the live uh, feed. And, and, and you know, if you're listening to this um, through your regular sort of podcast, podcasting application, uh, we do record live uh, on, on every Tuesday, every, yeah, today's Tuesday, right? Yeah, today's Tuesday. Wow, the, the, the days are just rolling into each other for me right now. Uh, we do record live uh, on Tuesdays, uh, usually at, at 3 p.m. Eastern. So uh, you can tune in next time. And uh, we're also on the Gopher Slack, um, the um, GoTime um, channel, uh, GoTime FM channel. is uh, Usually you can sort of pop in there and ask uh, questions. A lot of times we take some of our questions from the live audience as well. So that's, that usually adds another layer of fun to it. So uh, yeah, with, with that said, Ying Rong, uh, I'm, I'm very glad you were able to make it. Um, Jamal, same here. Um, and thanks again, John. And, and thanks for the rest of the GoTime. Um, team um, and crew behind the scenes that, that helped to make all this happen. Um, thank you very much, and uh, this is it for us. Thank you. Bye. All right. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of Go Time. If you're not yet, hang with us in Go for Slack. We have a channel called Go Time FM. Look it up. You'll find us. Hang with us during the live shows, connect with other members of the community, share stories, share code, share coffee recipes, whatever. It's a lot of fun. Also, we have discussions at changelaw.com on every episode. Head to changelaw.com slash go time, find this episode and discuss it with the community. Also, thanks to Fastly, our bandwidth partner, Rollbar, for helping us move fast and fix things, and Linode for hosting the Changelaw platform. Our music is produced by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. And if you want to hear more awesome podcasts like this, subscribe to our master feed. It's one feed 
need to rule them all, plus some extras that only hit the master feed. Head to changelaw.com slash master or search for Changelaw Master in your podcast client. You'll find us. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week. guess what brain science is officially launched episode number one is on the feed right now so head to changeall.com slash brain science to listen to subscribe and to join us on this journey of exploring the human mind once again changelaw.com slash brain science or search for brain science in your favorite podcast app